Hi, I'm Ruby. And I'm Cody. And, and this, this is The, the Swirl. Swirl. Oh my gosh, Cody. <laughs> What's going on? Oh my gosh. No, everything's good, you know. Um, I feel like we, uh, in the last year, Twitter has really changed a lot. And so the tone of Twitter and how Twitter is experienced is um, a lot different because we kind of live in a political hellscape um, ruled by the son of Satan himself, Donald Trump. And so, <laughs> was that a little harsh? Um, so a lot of the connections and conversations that I used to love about Twitter are more few and far in between now these days. But so Something happened a couple weeks ago that I really wanted to talk about on this world. Andy Richter, who is Conan O'Brien's sidekick on um all of Conan's shows, long time sidekick, yeah. yeah, um, kind of pushed back on a tweet uh, that recently came through on his on his timeline, and the tweet was, "Depression is a choice." And so Andy Richter responded, oh, really? Well, go fuck yourself is a directive. And then upon listening, uh, upon thinking about his response, he kind of went on a Twitter thread that really spoke to me as a person. He said that, quote, responding to this tweet may seem like shooting fish in a barrel, and yet it is 30 minutes later and I've pulled over after school drop-off to respond further because I am angry. I have been followed by an ever-present amorphous sadness for almost my entire life. I am 51 years old. It varies in strength from a casual, unresolvable suspicion that I will never find the joy that others do in a sunset to the feeling that being dead might be a respite and a kindness. I've been on meds for decades. I'm a devout believer in the talking cure of therapy and its structure and hope and absolutely life-saving sense of progress. I have a successful career. I'm in love with my wife of 27 years and my two kids are the best people I know. My life is full. I am lucky. And I will still reach the end of my life having walked through most of it with an emotional limp. I do not wallow in self-pity. No one did this to me. It is just how it is. I am just unlucky. Depression is a choice equals your pain is your fault. Quote, you can overcome this if you just try hard enough equals your pain is making me uncomfortable. Please shut up. If you are unburdened by depression, real, true depression, count yourself lucky. Keep your quick fixes to yourself. This is the kind of bullshit that kills people. Learn, then speak, or just be lucky and quiet. And so that was his thread. And as somebody who suffers or struggles with depression, I definitely felt myself seen in this thread. I love that he says how full and wonderful his life is, but that he walks with an emotional limp. I think that's such a great way to describe what depression feels like. It feels mm -hmm. like you can't fully enjoy a moment because you're just feeling so numb or, or empty. Um, I'm recently on some new meds that are so good and I'm feeling a lot better. But I can say that when I'm depressed, it is really difficult for me to truly be present in my life and truly be there for the people who love me. And I have so many wonderful people who love me. And it has nothing to do with the context. It's all about my own chemical imbalance in my brain. So I definitely felt like Andy Richter spoke about depression in a way that describes what I go through on a regular basis. And so I'm really, really um, touched that he spoke up for himself. I really love how he described depression. And it was um, a really important thread that came out a couple weeks ago, and I'm really happy he did it. I have a, another friend who is suffering from depression, and I think one of the biggest things about something like this is uh, how helpful it is when you take your life and you live in, live as an example, and that you don't 
hold these things in shame, right? So I, I'm, I'm really uh, reading that. Yes. I really uh, related to that of he was genuinely surprised, I think, at the kind of love and affection and um, care and concern that was sent his way. But that's just because you go through these situations and you think you're alone. And you really, you never are. And I, and I don't want to say that no one's problems are uh, uh, special, but you find in life that we all have been through very similar situations. So I have a friend who was also suffering, and she posted this pie chart that we're going to share on Swirl Podcast. And it says, when you suffer from depression, and there are two bodies, on one side it says, what people think I feel. And it's one body, and it's blue, and it says sadness. And then the next one beside it says, what I actually feel. And it looks like a rainbow. And a part of it is chopped for nothing, a tiny portion is sadness, another portion is self-loathing, another portion is anxiety, another portion is guilt, another portion is hopelessness, and another portion is isolation. And I think people think that people who are suffering from depression... Wow! Um, I think that people who think... I think people believe depression looks one way and that you just have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps, but oftentimes it's just hard to get out of bed. So I commend anybody who in spite of their daily struggles, finds a way to pick themselves up because just the act of doing that on many days is a win. Right, right. And and I think it's important to, to really just um, be, a, be a support, but also for people who are suffering to be their own advocate. I know you're very much someone who looks after your own um, health, you know, health and well-being and you're proactive about it. Uh, it's, it's difficult. I recently got a message from someone on, on Facebook who um, I, I kind of know peripherally and they started contacting me and they're very much in the throes of some sort of mental distress. And I was very torn about how to accommodate that because yeah. we're not that close. It's social media and this person very clearly is in distress. And right. I think there are a lot of people, look at the state of the world, there are a lot more people who are suffering than we know. And and so you start to wonder, what is normal? Right. Like, what is quote unquote normal? Because I don't really know. Right. And I, I like for me, um, I'll be honest, the part that really spoke to me was when he talked about um, where he says that the feeling that being dead might be a respite and a kindness. Mm. I have felt very much in the throes of my depression. And so I felt really seen there because it, it's hard. I think being depressed and having, um, struggling up against yourself is exhausting and trying to fight really hard every day to, um, get through the day, to not hurt yourself, to not, um, to not real to, you know, to make good choices for yourself. It's, it's yeah. a struggle. It's hard. It's like going to battle. And so it, it really exhausts you. And I think that's one of the hardest parts. And I love the the illustration that you're talking about it being a rainbow and having these feelings um, because it really is – depression is way more complicated than just being sad and it's way more complicated than just feeling numb. Um, and it's really hard and it's hard to know what's going to work for you versus somebody else. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what meds I needed to be on, what dietary things I needed to do in order to be happy and maintain balance. And even that is a moving target because I change every – you know, our – 
bodies change, our chemical compositions yeah. change every um, day. So it's hard. You, it's a moving target. And the most important thing I can share with you is that depression is a liar and you are worth getting better. And there are people who love you and they want to see you succeed. So you are worth getting better and getting to a better place. And um, there are outlets there for you. And this time of year in particular is very difficult for some of us. So um, I hope that you're taking time to take care of yourself out there um, because it is, it's rough. Yeah. So good luck. Yeah. And thank you, Andy Richter, for for speaking out and showing us that um, depression has different faces and, and even successful, happy people or seemingly happy mm-hmm. people are struggling. I'm out sure. There and there, there is a component of, I, I think, sometimes for people who uh, enter the showbiz business and uh, or try to be sort of notable there, you know, a lot of people were all sort of chasing that thing that's going to make the void go away. Right. Like I'll feel better if X. I can only imagine, right. you know, you get to a kind of a pinnacle uh, in the way that he has, and then you kind of go like, oh, F, like this is still, this thing is still hanging over my head. That can't be easy. Uh, not, right. you know, not at all. Right. So, uh, yeah. I, and, it, and I mean, no matter where you go, there you are, right? Truth. No matter where you go, that there you are. Absolutely true. So. Well, everybody, we are going to be back in just a moment. Um, we have our weekly Here For It and uh, I'm looking oh, forward to sharing yes. a really quirky one next. Oh, if it's especially quirky, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'd like to think everything I do is quirky. It is. Delightfully so. All right, everybody, we're back. And this is a segment we call Here For It. So, Ruby, tell me, what are you all about this week? Well, you know that my Thanksgiving food was banging. You saw all my pictures on Instagram, and there is only one person to thank for that, and that is Miss Angela Davis, who is also known as The Kitchenista on Twitter and on her blog, The Kitchenista Diaries. If you don't know about Miss Angela Davis, I'm about to drop some knowledge on you. And if you have to go to a company potluck, or you have to go to a family (laughs) party, and you are asked to bring food, if you are... a novice, or even someone who's a very experienced cook, Angela Davis has mm-hmm. got your back. Her recipes on the Kitchenista Diaries are fantastic, but you can also buy her ebooks that are um, compiled in collections of holiday recipes and appetizers. She has so much depth of flavor for a home cook. She will take you up several levels, and you will be able to impress even the most discerning of palates, either at your family uh, potluck or your your company-wide one. In fact, her her mac and cheese recipe is um, uh, one I have not made, but is on my list of when I am going to let myself live a little and do some macaroni and cheese eating. Uh, so Angela Davis' food is amazing. Almost every dish from my spatchcock duck fat turkey to the... Did you just say a curse? Spatchcocked turkey? You've never spatchcocked anything? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've, I've splatted with a cock, but I don't think that's the same thing. Spatchcocking is cutting out the back of your bird. So it means butterflying oh. your bird. You, uh, you'll, yeah, we'll repost some of my pictures from Thanksgiving. It makes the turkey flat and cooks more evenly and makes it super juicy. And then she had me make this compound butter that had lemon, orange, roasted garlic, and all these herbs, and then shove that 
butter under the skin of the turkey. It yeah. was amazing. And the I was just impressed that you didn't have a flaming hot Cheetos turkey. Oh, I saw know. that shit. That's crazy. But even better, on top of all this awesome amazingness that uh, Angela Davis does, every Sunday on Twitter, she has something called hashtag Kitchenista Sundays, where people share what they've made on their Sunday off, kind of together with their family. And it's a really great community of people who are learning to cook, experienced home cooks, sharing kind of their love of food every Sunday. So I am all about the Kitchenista, Miss Angela Davis, who has brought so much great food into my life and saved my Thanksgiving from being boring as hell. Here for that. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Save me a plate. Uh, (laughs) So what are you here for this week, Cody? So I am always fascinated by studies. Uh, And sometimes it's of the like, did you know that water is wet variety? (laughs) And other times it's useful or quirky things. So a few years ago, I don't know about you, but I was like way into the Myers-Briggs thing. Yes. Yeah. I'm an INFJ. What are you? I'm an ENFP. I could see that. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Come fight me, bitch. (laughs) Um, But I do feel like I need a new personality quiz to share at bars and dinner parties. Like, I loved the whole Myers-Briggs thing. So there is this new study that was published in Personality and Individual Differences um, that suggested that if you do certain things regularly, it's a barometer of your intelligence. Oh, my God. They recruited over 1,000 people, and they quizzed them about how often they perform 400 mundane everyday activities. And then they tested them to see where they fit on the scale, which was based on quote unquote signature behaviors and personality traits. So those included uh, intellect, emotional stability, conscientious- conscientiousness, agreeableness, and extraversion or extra aversion, right? I was um, like, extra virgin? I am extra not virgin. that. That is not me. <laughs> extra aversion olive oil. My mind is still in that Thanksgiving meal. I know, sorry. Um, Yeah. So here are the behaviors they found to be most strongly associated with intellect personality types. Okay, so um, for intellect behaviors, you, uh, in your average day, you spend an hour a day daydreaming, you meditated, swore around other people, bought a book, lounged around home naked, did not follow a sports team, read poetry, tried something completely new, bought organic food, produced a work of art, ate something spicy for breakfast, discussed ways to make something, smoked marijuana, (laughs) attended an art exhibit, attended an opera, did car work on your own vehicle, or composted food scraps. Like, these are... Some of the things, like, if you're an intellectual, that's something you would do regularly. Can you stop watching me at home? Because that was basically my to-do list today. There were quite a few items on here, and I'm going to keep it light to um, protect the guilty. (laughs) Yeah, there were a bunch of, like, a bunch of things on here that that I could see you doing. Yes, Um, yes, it me, as they say. So when the researchers looked at the other personality types, they found that, like, some interesting behaviors there, too. So, like, for people in the emotional stability group... They rarely have nightmares. People in the agreeable category sing in the car or the shower. And then those in the extra aversion category tell dirty jokes and try to get a tan. So I have to figure out like where I fall. <laughs> yeah, where are list. you? Because I definitely think that I'm like a bunch of those things. But I, I love that. I love that like if you're a smart person, it means that you lounge around your house naked. Yes. Which, you know, I, I, I could be, I could totally get behind. I definitely <laughs> 
time you could game. get behind it. You cracked yourself up. I did. Mostly because now I'm like, I'm an intellectual. So my whole like, I'm like, oh, I normally think I'm not that bright, but apparently I'm right. an intellectual. But you ju- you also showed your EN what side? My ENFP. Yeah, because you just told a dirty joke. <laughs> I did. Often. You did. <laughs> See? These things have merit, people. Ah, uh, yes, they do. And yes, the cursing thing I never All do, right. so I don't know. I don't know where the cursing that yeah. was that's not me. Can't can't see that. No, not you at certainly, all. You certainly don't meditate or um, <laughs> eat spicy things for breakfast. Never. Sriracha. Yeah. I got hot bo- hot sauce in my bag, swag. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so white. Just punched me in my face. <laughs> someone stop her, please. please someone. <laughs> We're segueing right to the Q&A. It is. Are we all ready? Right. Are we doing it? Are we doing it live? We're, we're doing it. It is so, time. Uh, well, Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go for it. It is now time for us to give you advice. Bad yeah. advice. We will badly solve your problems. In our next segment, which is known as QN. Hey. So Cody has it this week. Hit me with your best shot. My body right. is ready. This week's Q&A comes from adults only. Hey-o. Oh, no. There's a theme. This is a very naked episode you of this world. don't even know what the topic is yet. How do you know? I don't know if it's adults. What are adults doing? Are they putting things into places that they I think this one's about wearing a diaper. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Go ahead. Hit me. It's, um... So, adults only says, I'm going through something at work that is driving me crazy. I share a cubicle with a bright, funny, and insightful young woman. She does one thing that I cannot stand. During a meeting or any time a man or male authority figure enters our space, her voice gets high and she puts on this sort of baby talk affect. Oh. Now, it's not exactly to the level of Goo Goo Gaga or Vocal Fry, but it's damn near close. It just weirds me out how she can seemingly be so confident until a man shows up. None of my fellow female colleagues want to bring it up, but I feel weird talking about it behind her back. What can I do to help empower her? Signed, adults only. Oh my god, this is so hard. Vocal fry drives me crazy, by the way. I can't imagine baby voice on top of it. Do you I not can't... know what vocal fry is? No, I do. I was going to say, oh, I, can't, okay. I can't imagine how you put up with me, because I think I have vocal fry. So I, I, I... Not to like the Kardashian. The, oh, Kardashian. I've heard my voice, and I tell you, sometimes I feel like I talk like a Kardashian, and it makes me want to jump off a bridge. Oh. Um, but I think the important distinction here is whether or not you're her superior, her equal, or her subordinate. If you are her equal or her subordinate, you are not allowed to say shit. If you are in charge of her or you're higher up in the hierarchy, then you totally have an opportunity to then address this with her from a mentorship place. Um, but other than that, I don't think it's, it's, it's a good idea for you to, to address it. Um, because I think that that is just not how the politics of a workplace work, if that makes sense. Well, so do you think from, like you mentioning, like, you know, maybe a subordinate, it may be uh, someone that you're, that you're peer. As far as like mentoring goes, you know, like what, what could a person, what could a fellow female do to another female where you're sort of like helping to empower them? 
Ugh. is it telling her that her ideas are good or no or, because you know, i validating think, no because i think that there's it's like code switching so like you know how code switching means that between different groups of people you talk and address yourself or carry yourself and comport yourself differently i believe no matter what your race or gender is that a lot of us switch and code switch when we're talking to people who are of the same gender than we are or an opposite gender mm-hmm. and so it's like when your mom tells you you're pretty if another female tells me something that like and tries to empower me and tells me I'm kick-ass and wonderful that's still not how I'm seen by a male colleague so unless you're specifically addressing like listen I've noticed this behavior I think you can be doing better than that um which is I think if you're if she's your subordinate I and you mentor her and you have a relationship like that then you should totally say that to her directly but if she's your peer and or she or you're her subordinate that is not your place and you have to be very careful not to step on anybody's toes because people certainly have ideas about themselves and I wouldn't want you to like get involved in something. Do you know what I mean? Because like office politics are very, they balance on a razor's edge. So for, for a female, for a lady, um, how, when, how would it be when, uh, you know, she speaks to the men in this like baby voice? Is that sort of like the way of like pretending that you're bad at math? Yes. yeah. So, so in that situation, would men actually respond to that in a positive way? Like, would that be something they're into or, or I just don't know how that helps you long term. Oh, like long term, I don't think it's an appropriate solution, but it does get you um, to be treated. I, I think it can get you. I uh, listen. I have definitely flirt with people who I've worked with. I've been a little like, ha 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 ha. That's so funny. You're so funny. Um, and it's a way to like grease the wheels to get along and maybe have them think about you in a positive light. Um, because I think it's a really tough situation being female in certain workplaces where you, um, can be seen easily as a bitch if you're very direct. And some women try to soften. I can, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but sometimes I try to soften that blow with men sometimes by kind of putting forward the like damsel in distress, like, uh, flirty, like, oh, ha, 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 oh, my, you know, um, to work yeah. it a little bit so that when I am, um, what is it, the, the praise sandwich, you know, like, say something that mm-hmm. they do or they're doing great, put the criticism and then fall, close it in with something else that they're doing great. Like, it's not that different from a praise sandwich. It's just kind of a weird sexism sandwich. Jeez. <laughs> it's hard out there, Cody. It's hard out there. Uh- Look, I mean, I have had to do my fair share of code switching at work, but I certainly don't have to, like, powder up and wear a diaper yeah. in order to come to work every day. That's surprising. It's not my favorite, but that's why I think that it's important that we recognize that office politics work a certain way, right? Like, it's really important as a woman to be aware of what that landscape looks like, and it's really easy, and it's true, that it's it's easy to get other women to turn on you, so you have to be careful about how you criticize your coworker, because um, at a certain point, we are, um, especially if you share a freaking um, space with her, like, you don't want to rock that boat that hard, like, think about what, you pick your battles, <laughs> and decide if it's worth it. I'm just imagining how often you probably hears that 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 cooing, you know. It's and it's all it's all breathy and awful. So it's like it just becomes like this back and forth like conversation about feminism and it's like, well, you know, it's a lot more complicated than your baby voice that irritates me. So I'm just sure. saying be aware of what those pitfalls are before you go after your sweet mate. Man. 
Man. It's wow. hard out there for a bitch. It's hard out there for a bitch. <laughs> very, very sorry um, that we couldn't be more help, adults only. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, if you'd like to send us a Q&A, feel free. Swirlpodcast at gmail.com. Our website, swirlpodcast.com, has a nice little uh, informational sendle thing. I'm not talking English anymore. <laughs> We're also on Facebook and Twitter, Swirl Podcast. Now, Ruby, it's time to uh, inspire each other to hopefully say something that sets us off on the next week. Uh, I like to think that you have something called a good word for me. I do, in fact. It is that time of the year, y'all, where we are just about to be uh, in the darkest and longest nights, and we're going to turn over, and the days will start to get longer second by second um, until we reach summer again. But it feels like it's rough out there sometimes. Those long nights can be really hard on our souls. So I'm quoting the good Walt Whitman, who says, quote, Keep your face always towards the sunshine and the shadow will fall behind you. So I hope that in this season of light, you're finding the light even in the long nights and that you're reaching out and taking care of yourself because you are totally worth and deserve to be taken care of well, even if it's you who's taking care of yourself. Right. We hope that you're all taking care of yourselves and we hope that we all see you next week. You guys know the deal. Doesn't matter where it is or what time of year it is. The party doesn't end. It just relocates. Special thanks to the pod squad, Justine and Tim, who keep both of us in line. Cody is at Step to the Mic on Twitter. I am at Ruby Junkie and at Squirrel Podcast is where you can find us on all of the different channels. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love each and every one of you. Please reach out, hit us with some clap back, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you later. Peace out. Bye.